Are you looking for hope? Then you're in the right place. If you're not, well, you're still in the right place because we all need hope. Welcome to the Shine and Delight podcast. We hope to navigate life's storms together as we encourage and build up one another to find true saving hope in the only one that can truly satisfy. We can't fix your problems, but we'll definitely point you towards someone who will. Come along. Ladies and gentlemen, what's up, boys and girls? Beautiful people. It is a wonderful day in D-Town, no Dallas, Texas. D-Town, funk you up. D-Town, funk you up. I said D-Town. Oh, that's a different song. All right, we have Ro, who's being super silent. Say hello. What, what are you, I mean, you going to sing along with y'all? Yes, come on, get in here. No. And who else do we have? A special guest today. Introduce yourself, please. Abby Takam. Hello. Abby, what is uh, two of the most interesting facts about you for the audience? You did not warn me about uh, that icebreaker. We don't ever warn people. We don't ever warn people. Uh, two interesting facts. First one, I've gone skydiving twice. Wow. First well, you, you live both times. Yourself, I live both times. Right. I'm a risk taker. Ooh, uh, I love it. First time was in Texas. Second time was in Australia. Probably which one was better? Australia. Oh, uh, yeah. Do it. What part of Australia? Was it a mountainy part? Um, in Cairns. So wow. we kind of flew off the Great Barrier Reef. Did you die? No. No, oh, mate. She was like diving the Great Barrier Reef looking for crocodiles and like stingrays and stuff <laughs> like that. It was crazy. Did you find anything cool? No. Ah, oh, crikey, mate. Are you allowed to skydive in a mountainous area? That seems dumb. No, it sounds great. What have, is you, the, uh, have you ever watched a James Bond movie? They do that like, oh, all the time. Oh, dude, James Bond. New one comes There's out. There's a new come one. On. No, it came out on... Yesterday. Last week. On I don't think I've watched any Last of the Daniel night. Craig one. Yes. I haven't Last watched night. any James Bonds. No. In the UK a week ago. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. Okay. I'll How do you talking. know that? Uh, I just, I'm, I'm a big fan. Anyway, second most interesting fact about you. <laughs> I'm four fan. foot ten. Hey, that's how tall my <laughs> wife is. That's great. <laughs> that's probably the most interesting fact about me. Mm. I think people get surprised when I sit down, I look normal height. When I stand <laughs> up, I'm not that normal. <laughs> Her legs do touch, do touch the floor, ladies and gentlemen. Just so you know, I just checked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's our icebreaker there. Just kidding. Bro, what you got for us today? What's your least favorite thing at your favorite restaurant? So first we have to think of our favorite restaurant, which we may or may not know. Then we have to think of our least favorite thing. So I usually think about these icebreakers about 20 seconds before we hit record. And the reason mm. I came up with that is because Abby's got a Chick-fil-A cup. And, and so, I love Chick-fil-A. All yeah. right, Abby, what's your least favorite thing at Chick-fil-A? This may be a hot take. Milkshakes. Ooh, why not milkshakes? I just don't like milkshakes. Mm, they're okay. weird. I understand that. I, I can empathize I can empathize with that. I do like them, but I understand where you're coming from. And I'm going with the salads at Chick-fil-A. So Chick-fil-A is your favorite too. I do love Chick-fil-A. Wow. I'm a I'm a a gold member. Do they have no red I'm member? A I'm a red member. Yeah, I'm a red member. member. I don't know the membership levels. How many points it, does it take to get to that? That's a, a lot question. of money. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> if you visit twice a day for sixteen years, you'll have it. Just kidding. Three times a day. That's true. I mean, that is a true statement. If you do do that, <laughs> we don't know what the threshold is, but we know yeah. that it's you'll get there. You know, we know you'll get there. I, I, I like Taco La Banqueta, and I like I, I like everything about them except the red salsa. Mm, that makes sense. It's mm. too spicy. I don't despise. Yeah. yeah, my my favorite is El Paisa Taco Shop in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and my least favorite thing is going to be their lengua tacos. I just don't like lengua tacos. You mean tongue? Tongue tacos. It's just Got a it. texture thing. Like I don't mind the flavor, but texture is just not my. I'm not about it. Oh, that's a thing. Tongue tacos. Yeah, tongue tacos and intestine tacos are probably my least favorite kind of tacos. That's he was just saying it weird. I was saying it weird. Lengua. Lengua? Yeah. 
What, what, what am I supposed to say? I don't know. with <laughs> tacos? All right, all right. <laughs> well, today, we'll be talking about um, identity again, and identity specifically in relationships. Absolutely. Have mm. you ever thought as if you're better because you're with someone? Mm. Uh, yeah. Don't they say that you're, you're the sum of the five people you hang out with most? No, when I was 15, I was, uh, I, was, I was in a relationship with this girl, right? And so we had this master plan to uh, tattoo each other's each other each other's names on our like hearts right and she went and she did that and they're supposed to do that and then Whoa. it broke up and then she changed that scott thing into a diamond That's i don't know how she changed scott into a diamond <laughs> like but, you can uh, actually erase it and just do the patterning things in well, so so it stops being a scott and it starts being a diamond Okay. You know, I've never actually seen his chest, so I'm not sure. There might be a girl tattooed on his heart right now. That would be funny. That's so bad. Wow. <laughs> That's so bad. Heartbreaker. The things you do for relationships. And if you, was that the only relationship you were in at the time? No. That's what I thought. <laughs> Just to clarify, this was before you knew Jesus. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good clarifier, good clarifier. Yeah, I just want to throw that out there for the audience. Yeah, don't don't imitate Solomon in having 700 wives and 300 concubines. It doesn't work out well. They led him astray. Right, so uh, <laughs> the point of that uh, weird story is that today we'll be talking about, you know, many times we feel as if we are better because of uh, some relationship that some relationships that we might be in. It might be a relationship with a friend, a significant other, and uh, a family member at all. So what do you guys have to say on to that? Every relationship has pros and cons uh, inside of that. And I think about relationships, like let's, we can look at the good side of things first off um, in the Bible. And Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 um, says, and, and let us not neglect meeting together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And the idea of like, it is important that we as believers are together in relationship, encouraging one another, building one another up. That's a clear commandment inside of Hebrews and elsewhere in the New Testament that I can think of. I think when I think about relationships, you are seeking approval of others. Um, and so you put yourself in situations where, you want the other person to like you. I think innately we all want to be loved, desired, and cared for. And so whenever we put our value in someone else, they can sh like stray us in a different direction and away from God. And so your question of have I ever felt better because I was in a relationship? Yes. I would say 100%. When I was in college, I was dating someone who was an engineer, and we thought we were like, the power couple because we were both engineers and had great internships and that's where we saw like our validation with each other yeah. do you kind of want to dig more into that because i know you've got a you got an interesting background um i think it'd be really good for our audience if you want to dig more into that yeah sure so i dated someone in college like i said um and we dated for a really long time but after the first year i found out that he was struggling with severe depression and um real suicidal thoughts. And I didn't uh, know that when I went into the relationship. And when I did find out, it was really hard on me. And I think part of the reason that it was hard was because I didn't know how to help him. But I thought I could. I d wasn't really following Christ. And so I thought I could be everything for him. Like I could be his girlfriend. I took on the savior complex. Um, and took him to therapy, helped him with his medication. Like, I did everything I possibly could. And then it all came crashing down, like, four months later when he actually attempted to take his own life away. Mm. And I remember walking into the room, and it's a really hard thing to explain, um, but I remember walking in and just realizing this whole time I thought I could fix him and I can help him. 
because I'm his girlfriend, because I'm awesome. Like, I'm a good student. Like, everything about me, I thought I was great. I almost had this, like, God complex to myself. And in that moment, when you walk in and you realize you are nothing, like, mm. you you can't be everything for someone, it was really hard. Um, and so the first thing I did when I walked in was start crying because that's a natural reaction. But after that, I fell to my knees and just started praying. And that was the first time I had prayed in like six years and realized I was just reminded of truth and all these things that I had learned as a kid growing up in the church. And I realized then like, okay, like, do I really believe in Jesus? And really like realizing that I had lost who I was because I was trying to be everything for one person and you can't be everything for one person. It's not going to work out very well. And so, yeah, like Rose said, like that was a really hard thing that I went through, just realizing I can't be everything for someone. Um, but yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's tough. Um, again, thank you for sharing. That's, yeah, that's really tough. Yeah, I think you talked about a lot of things that we need to unpack. And so I really want us to spend some time talking about, I mean, what usually causes such feelings to develop in people, you know, like you are, you meet this person and you guys are having a normal or a relationship that seems normal externally, right? And then before you realize it, you in so deep and you're actually wanting to fix them, right? And then before you realize it, your entire identity is really founded upon your ability to fix these people and failure to do that actually makes you feel see if you have some sort of an inadequacy right that's i mean that's your story but i believe that story really applies to most adults you know in various stages of life maybe with the significant others or with some of their friends or with some of their jobs even uh, so let's really take some time to unpack that what causes such feelings to develop well for one thing it's weird because relationships are a really good thing if used in the right way i mean this is you know, human fellowship is a gift from God. It says in Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fail, or if one falls, the other will be able to lift him up. But woe to the man who is alone when he falls, for he doesn't have anyone to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. That's the King James Version. Basically what it's saying, one is, it's not really good for someone to be alone. Two is good, three is better. Um, and the kind of message that the Bible is saying there and often reiterates is that community is a good thing and that other people and having strong relationships with other people is a very good thing, but it has to be done in the right way. What is the right way? Well, yeah, Jesus. Uh, and I'll make that evident. What I mean by that is uh, in John fifteen five, 5, um, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches, right? Uh, the one who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so I think what we look at there is like him saying that I'm the vine, you are the branches. And what we tend to do a lot there is we either want to make ourselves the vine and other people flow out of us in those relationships, either friends or, or boyfriends, girlfriends, whoever it may be, or spouses. Like, oh, I'm going to take care of them. I can provide for them. It makes me feel good. Or we are, we are the branch to somebody else and our, our energy, our love, our worth flows from someone else. So as soon as we take Jesus or God out of their proper place, that's when everything else is chaotic. Um, but if we can stay in that, that situation where it's like a you know, strand of two or a strand of three, they use it at weddings all the time because you're like, oh, that's me, my significant other, my spouse, and God, three of us. And so if you had Jesus, obviously, as the vine and my wife and myself as the branches, it's going to work out pretty good. 
But as soon as I trade my wife to go down to be that vine, I attach myself to her, it ain't going to go so good. Well, that's very good. Uh, so, Abi, uh, you have an exceptional story, right? And you've shared a bit of it. And we kind of, I, uh, I, I have had your story and I really appreciate you for sharing that with me. And for a moment, really, your story is that of, you know, a sinner saved by grace in that you were caught up in this identity, which was really found in someone until God rescued you from that. And so for a moment, if you do not mind, would you be kind enough to share your story with our audience? Testimony story or what story are you looking for? The, the story uh, moving How? to Dallas and all that moving stuff. Moving to Dallas? And, yeah. Same oh, guy. Same guy, yeah. <laughs> same guy, same situation years later. Um, oh, it comes back. It comes back. Wow, okay. I it's hard. I did not. I was <laughs> done. No, Abby did not learn. Okay, I, I do that all the time. Sorry. So so I learned. So let's go back to that. Yeah. So January 17, 2017, that's when he attempted. Mm. Um, after that, I started questioning what I believed in. And so mm. going back to what happened leads to Dallas. But I started realizing I kept, I claimed to love this person and I claimed to know Jesus, but I wasn't really following Jesus. And if I really knew Jesus and believed in the hope that I had, why didn't I ever share it with this person that I loved? So I didn't really love the person or I didn't really know Jesus. And that broke me. So for a long time, we went our separate ways where I was trying to pursue Jesus. He was just trying to better himself, figure out. Depression, whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, I guess like, a year later, we decided to start dating again for whatever reason. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> uh, past Abby is, uh, regrets that. Uh, but whenever we decided, like, hey, we want to move forward with this relationship and want to um, pursue marriage for whatever reason, thought that was a great idea, I decided to move to Dallas. That mm-hmm. The main reason I decided to move to Dallas was because he was going to be here and we were going to start our lives here. Um, a month after I moved here, we broke up. And so you moved here together in the same apartment? No. Okay. So he was still in college for one semester. I moved before he did. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so after I moved here, we broke up a month later. I had no friends, no family, nothing. So my identity was being someone's girlfriend, and I would always go hang out with him down in College Station. He would come up, and then I was stuck here by myself had no friends, no community, nothing. But I knew I wanted to continue to pursue Jesus because for the last year I was trying, but it was just not easy with community, like without community. Yeah. And so I started going to the porch, started going to Watermark, and just the girls and the volunteers there really poured into me and they loved me well and I started pursuing Jesus more. And it wasn't, like I said, that day that he made his attempt was like the day that I really started questioning my faith more, mm. but it wasn't an immediate change in my life. Um, And I think I was so lost when I was here in Dallas at first. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I believed in. I was no longer anyone's girlfriend. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have coworkers that I was friends with. Um, And so it was a really dark time and really, really dark period. But by the grace of God, like just God's people just came around me and really supported me and encouraged me and loved me well. And so I realized that, hey, I may not be someone's girlfriend and I may not be someone's friend, but I am a child of God. Mm. And that truth is what helped me just go through 
my own depression, my own sadness, just realizing that my identity is found in Christ. Uh, allow me to ask for a clarification. You talk about questioning your faith, but you questioned your faith when he attempted uh, to terminate his life, right? And so was that, how did that, I mean, you questioning your faith, how did that manifest itself? Was it to, uh, were you angry towards God or were you angry at him? Like what was, what did that look like? Oh, I was sad. I wasn't angry. I was sad because to to think that someone would take their own life away, um, that must mean that they're just so hopeless and mm. there is nothing that you can do for them. And for me, it was more of realizing this is the path of destruction that I'm heading towards mm. and I don't want that. And that's what I mean when I say I question my faith of did I really believe in Jesus and what does it look like to follow Jesus? Yeah, because you're putting your all on him. Mm-hmm. And man, if he was willing to commit suicide when he was your all, you're like, I'm helping him, but I also thought he loved me and he's still willing to leave me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just to, I mean, just to share a bit of my testimony uh, from the perspective of someone who might have been suicidal uh, back in time, uh, attempted it uh, a couple of times and I'm glad it was all unsu- unsuccessful. Um I think sometimes you get just caught up in the feelings, you know, in the feelings, in, in the lies that really uh, are, I mean, our heads can be full of lies, especially if you fill your head with lies, right? And so you listen to these lies and you're constantly reminded that you are not enough and that you do not deserve to live and that nobody really cares about you. And even if you're surrounded with good people who try to love on you, who try to, you know, speak truth into your life, but the lies, because you listen to too much lies, uh, as opposed to, you know, you're supposed to be listening to more truth than lies, but then you listen to too many lies, then you just find yourself really falling into the cycle of just uh, feeling as if you do not matter and you're not enough. And that's really what, you know, again, that goes back to, you know, our topic of discussion for today, that you find your identity in what you believe others, other people think about you or what you believe other people say about you. And it might not necessarily be true, but man, the devil, he's crafty and he has a lot of weapons in in his artillery and it's just going to send a bunch of lies your way. And these lies are usually so easy to believe. And before you realize it, you are chatting into weird territories. So, yeah. Yeah, I just love in, in Abby's story how she goes to church and this community around her are like, oh, yeah, we'll be your best friends. Like, hang out with us all the time. Like, we got you. It was like, no, here's Jesus. Like, mm-hmm. get yourself right with God first, with Jesus first. Um, and so they're pushing you towards that so that you can be in, as we said, in the branch or in the vine, I mean, and you can know him and have that one relationship that's actually going to satisfy. At the same time, they're still around you. You still have relationships with them. They're just sharpening you and pointing you back to Christ, not themselves. Yeah, there's a verse in First uh, Peter two. It says, "But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light." And the reason why I bring that up is because you know we're talking about dating, and but in a more general sense, we're talking about identity. Mm-hmm. And I love that verse because it, it talks about what our identity is in Christ: is that we're a royal priesthood, which means that our job is to reflect the glory of God to the rest of the world. And, you know, for, for a lot of people, um, including you, Andrew, God has brought someone into your life to help you along with that mission. You have your wife and you have, you two are running after Christ together to accomplish that mission. But for everyone else, you know, who are unmarried, we don't have someone in our life right now who are running side by side, linking arms, accomplishing that mission. We're doing it, you know, on our own. It's just us and Jesus, you know, in the, in the same race. And, um, a lot of times we think that we need to have, you know, a spouse or a girlfriend or someone in our life to be fulfilled, 
when in reality that's not our purpose. Our our purpose is not to you know ultimately get married or to have a girlfriend. That's that's not our purpose. That may be a great thing that God blesses us with, but that's not our ultimate purpose. Our ultimate purpose is to reflect the glory of God. And that's our ultimate identity is to be a royal priesthood for him. And you know, it's it's as tempting as it may be to think you're unfulfilled, unmarried or, or not in a relationship, that's not true. The truth is that you've got Jesus and that you can always fulfill the purpose that Jesus has given you regardless of whether or not you're married. Yeah, there were two things that stood out there. There's one called to reflect his glory. Mm-hmm. And like if you haven't been spot, spending time with him, if you don't know who he is, you're not reflecting anything, right? you just got this dim light kind of like, okay, where do I pull some stuff from? But when you spend time with him, it just it comes out of you, reflects out of you in that sense, right? It's the first thing. And the second thing was thinking about though, although I have a spouse and you may be single out there, you also get to run with brothers and sisters in Christ. I remember like Jesus sent our disciples two by two, right? The 72 when he sent them out. And most of them were single. All we know who weren't single was Peter, right? So Peter's then sent out with another brother in Christ and they're to go out together to sharpen one another and to challenge and to run faster towards other individuals, to run faster towards Christ um, and making the gospel known. I know I love doing ministry with people and I always find a good friend to do ministry with, um, a male of some kind, so we can sharpen one another, challenge each other and hold each other accountable. Um, And so I would say, find yourself a brother or if you're a woman, a sister in Christ like that. I'd say even now I still call my best friend, my, my pastor out in Albuquerque and we challenge each other in that way. How are we running after Christ? I'm still challenging my wife every day, but also have a guy around me as well. There's that Christian cliche where it's talking about marriage and says, you should marry the person that is keeping up with you as you run towards Christ. Yeah, I fit that cliche, so. <laughs> cliches are cliches for yeah, a reason. Yeah, I'm like, you man, know? I'm a great sermon illustration. They're like, man, just run after Christ. You look to the right. You see this girl over there, you know, you keep running. Look, she's there again, you know, and you're like, ask her on a date. It's literally what I did, serving together at church. And then it just worked out from there. We're both run after Christ. Let's go. Awesome. But I don't find a run after Christ. I'm focusing towards Christ, and we're going together towards him. It's not like I'm looking at her running towards her. We're going together towards him. And meaning by that is, like, I know that she's not going to satisfy in that sense. Like, I'm not, I can't put all my wants and desires and everything on her because she's going to come back void. It's going to come back void. It's not going to work out. We have to go to God for that. So my best friend ran track in college. He actually threw the javelin, but he was on the track team. And he, was, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he uh, stood around and threw stuff on the track team. You he know? would tell me, like, if you want to kill your race, the best way to do it is to look to your left and get distracted by the person next to you. So the best way, like, if you're especially in your 100-meter dash and it's just a straight line, you're only focusing straight on mm. that finish line. And the minute you start looking left or right you to see distracted. the people next to you, you get distracted and you slow down. And so mm. I think that's a pretty good metaphor. You know, if we're – you know, running perfect, if we're running towards Christ and that's our focus, we're going to go a lot faster than if we get distracted about the people to our left and our right and thinking, oh, am I married? Am I running faster than him? You know, is, you know, can I date her? You know, the minute we get distracted, <laughs> that's when we slow down. <laughs> is she I'll single? Control. Is she still single? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I heard a quote this week, or I just was challenged this way, is like, as a servant or a slave of Christ, why would you compare yourself to another slave? Like you're out in the field, why would you not compare yourself to the master? Right, so it's that same illustration. We're running towards him. We're working for him in the fields. Why are you going to go look over right or left when you can just look at him and say, man, how can I become more like that? Comparison kills. Everything. Kills joy. Yeah, kills relationships. Everything. Yeah, so back to uh, the pod, uh, the thing. Ready? We've been in the thing the whole time. What do you mean the thing? We've been talking about relationships. Have <laughs> we not been recording? Are we, okay, we're... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've made that mistake in the past. Have really? We I'm pretty sure we've done that. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. No, but just the beginning. Yeah. I see red. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it usually it usually takes some time for you to come out of the thing, you know, for you to realize that ah, I my identity was founded on you know my relationship with someone else, right? What about someone who's in that uh, 
whatever at the moment, how do they conduct a diagnosis to inform them whether their identity is found in someone or if it's found in God? I think when the person has so much control over your emotions mm. would be like a a red flag. And how do you determine that, whether someone has too much control over your emotions? Because sometimes people refer to that as love. I love him so much and he loves me, so. Abby's over here thinking right now. I like it. I ponder a lot. I guess we can go to 1 Corinthians 13. Yeah. Love is patient. Love is kind. I don't have it in front of me, but it's, it's love, love is. Love envy or boast. There you go. Probably read it at your wedding. If I, like, I didn't read that one. No, no, it's too cheesy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, it, it, 1 Corinthians 13, it paints a version of love that's very different than what we're used to. I think we're used to seeing love as a noun, not a verb. We see it like just on the emotional, when in reality, it's a choice. It's a decision every day. I'm going to die to myself and put this, whatever I love in front of my own interest. So if it's your wife, if it's your kids, if it's Jesus, which is what we ultimately should all love more than anything else. Um, it's I'm going to die to myself and put this thing ahead of my own, of, ahead of my own needs. Um, and so we, we kind of see like love, you know, we fall into a trap of thinking that love is an emotion or, you know, love is all these emotions that we feel when in reality it's a decision that we make every day. I think you need to expound more on that because that verse has been misused, right? Putting others before you. So that does not mean accepting abuse. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for clarifying. Yeah. I was just thinking about what you're saying there. Do you have any more to add to that on the abuse or clarifying that? Oh, yeah. So, like, it doesn't mean you should accept abuse or tolerating nonsense in the name of putting them before you. I think you also need to have an informed belief system, right, which should be informed based off the Bible. I mean, if you are a believer and if you're not a believer, then the Bible will do you a lot of good. Uh, <laughs> having, a belief, <laughs> having a belief system that's informed of the Bible will do you definitely do you a lot of good and just realizing that, hey, if, some, if someone asks you to do something that is not beneficial to you and it, it would does not make you a better person and would not be glorifying to Christ actually that should be the first thing if it's not glorifying to Christ and if it's not going to make you a better person if it's just for the uh if it's to gratify their selfish needs then just don't and maybe that's where you walk out of the relationship because it's not good for you yeah i'm just thinking there you can't even can't even have a self uh a good relationship or a great relationship um, without knowing whose you are. If you don't know that you are a son or a daughter of God, first and foremost, and like that's going to be your identity for eternity in that, you can't have a healthy relationship because then you're going to be seeking your identity in something else, in someone else. I think another point, going back to his question, which I've been pondering about, whenever you said you asked, how do you diagnose if you're finding your identity in someone? I think when you think about losing that person, if you are going to be, you know, heartbroken or if you're going to be devastated, because I was going to be devastated. I was devastated. Yeah. And there is a difference in, like, how sad you're going to be in that person if they're gone. And I think that comes down to how much power and control and, like, are they an idol in your life? Are they the most important thing in your life? Or is God the most important thing in your life? Yeah, you can say that for anything. That was going to be my response too is are you willing to give that person up or that thing up, whatever the relationship is? And if the answer is no, then they become an idol in your life. Uh, and now obviously if you have a spouse, I'm not being like, oh, you got to give them up. Like got to let them go. got to divorce them. That's not what I'm saying at all in that sense. Yeah. But like can you let them – Can you by letting them go, is that saying there's you're still with them, you're still married to them, but can you give that up and saying I'm going to go to God instead of them, instead of relying upon them and giving everything to them, I'm going to go to God every single day and give that up in that sense and rely upon him. So if you're not willing to give them up, should you break up with them? Um, honestly, in a relationship, if you say, hey, this has become more important to me than God, 
right? I look at anything in my life, anything that I can't give up for him has become an idol, right? And so I would say if you're in a relationship like that, yes, get your heart right with God, that is. And maybe maybe when your heart's right with God, you can go back to that person or you can restate that relationship. The first of the Ten Commandments is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage in Egypt. You shall not have other gods before me. And Second I, is, no idols. Yeah, or, well, it depends. Like some people break those up or some people put it, it doesn't matter. Oh, okay, you're yeah. right, right, yeah. Yeah, some people keep them as one, but you made my point for me, which is that an idol is anything other, or a God before that we, uh, other gods or idols is anything that we put over God. So even if you don't believe in God, you know, an idol can be a car in your garage, it can be a spouse, it can be even your kids, uh, it can be a, a livelihood. An idol can be really anything, anything. that anything that drives a wedge in between you and God. And I think there's a reason why that's the first commandment. And then, you know, several thousand years later, when Jesus restates all of the Old Testament law and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, or heart, soul, and strength, and you should love your neighbor as yourself, the first part of that is you shall love the God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And it, it ties in together. The most prominent and important thing is, are we putting God first and foremost yeah. in our life? Are using all of your being. That's why it says that heart, mind, soul, strength, every single thing that you have for God, or are you holding something back for someone else? Right. Well, love it. Love it. Can we talk about reclaiming your identity now that you're out of that relationship or you've worked on getting your, you know, getting yourself right with God? So how do you reclaim your identity? Yeah, before we get there, I was going to say, give an example. So people, because you may not be in a relationship, may not have been in a relationship in, yeah. in terms of like boyfriend, girlfriend, but you have a friend. I have a very good friend who is um, really idolized, that's the best word to say it, like a best friendship because he's never had a best friend in his entire life. He's seen, you know, like the movies, like the twin brothers or the two guys who always get along or the <laughs> girls who are always shopping and he's never had that. And so he's been pursuing that and putting that in the place of God and I've seen it fail for him twice. And so there's definitely a place where you can do that with a best friend as well or a good friend where you're like, man, they become my all or like I idolize them in that specific relationship. Um, and so now the question, you said, how do we reclaim that, correct? Yeah. Uh, I don't got the answer for that yet. I guess just pursue Christ. Uh, I think that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's the cheap, easy, and effective answer. Um, just pursue Christ. And one advice that I've heard uh, after a breakup, that one of the best things you can do is, number one, if you don't know Jesus, come to know Jesus. Number two, if you do know Jesus, just pursue him a little faster. You know, maybe spend more time serving. Uh, definitely spend more time in the Word. Uh, and just kind of train yourself to replace that you know, that broken piece inside of you with the Lord. Because that's, you know, ultimately the only person that will never let us down is Jesus. Everyone else is going to fall short at some point. And so when we kind of, we idolize someone or something else over Christ, and then we finally get to a point where we break that bond and we're, we're free from that, you know, there's still a little bit of mourning there because, yeah. you know, we lost someone that we used to have in our lives. And, you know, the perfect replacement for that is Jesus, as, as much of a cliche as it sounds like. Yeah. Most of the time you have to take a step back from that relationship or whatever it is um, and get yourself in the right place with Jesus or get and get your heart right first before you go back to it, even if you're able to go back to it. Um, it's almost like I think of like, you know, a fast of some kind where you're basically, I'm going to fast that relationship. I need to get in the right place with God or else this relationship is never going to work out. This friendship, this X, Y, and Z is not going to work out because I've been idolizing it too much. Well, I think for me, uh, I'd encourage everyone to, I mean, take some time in solitude, right? Yeah. Just, just be by yourself and, uh, try not to think about the person you want to pursue next or the person mm -hmm. you're considering to be your next best friend or the person that you want to walk you out of this weird space because, I mean, it always feels weird when you have your heart broken. And then the second 
thing is spend a lot of time in reflection you know just reflect what might have led into that you know what what am i lacking that really led me into trying to find my identity in other people right and then evaluate that see if you need to talk to some more people invite people in invite people into that process and that is very i mean that is usually i think for me has been very very helpful let them know about your struggles let them know that every now and then i think about my ex let them know that every now and then i think about maybe like getting on a dating app because i'm so lonely and it feels bad so, not having yes so what, what's a good balance because you, you mentioned two things there yes. that are kind of opposite you said you know spend some time in solitude yes. also have community yeah. what's a good balance between those two things i think i think it's a progressive journey first of all you spend some time in solitude and while in solitude you need to reflect about maybe some things that might be in you that might be causing these patterns to that might be responsible for these patterns and then after figuring that out invite people in invite people into whatever you found out uh, through your time in solitude that hey man i've been uh spending some time over here and i've realized that this and this and this are some things that are in me and they are responsible for this patterns and they are what caused that does that make sense yeah and then uh after that man i think it's just run after christ i think the bible says uh to keep fast the kingdom of god right mm -hmm. and everything else shall be added upon you and sometimes what you want, what you think you want might not be what you need, uh, but God knows exactly what you need. So seek ye first the kingdom of God, run after him. And as Rose said, you won't realize it, but you'll just realize that there's someone that he's caused someone to run alongside you and that you guys are running towards the same direction. Not promised. You know, if not you're running, promised, it's yes. not promised. You know, if you're running after Christ as hard as you can, it's very possible that you, you don't get married. I mean, that's what happened to Paul. Yeah. and most of Jesus' apostles. But I will I will kind of elaborate on what you said, kind of the balance between solitude mm -hmm. and community. You see this a lot. Jesus spent all of his time for three years with 12 guys. Um, those were his, That was his community. And then oftentimes he would go off by himself and pray. You know, before before he was arrested, he was in the, in the garden praying by himself. Uh, whenever he, when the whole story of Jesus walking on water towards Peter, that happened because Jesus put the disciples in a boat and sent them across the Sea of Galilee and said, basically, I'll catch up with you later. And so he was off by himself in the hills. The disciples are in the boat, storm hits, and then Jesus kind of walked out on water, and then that whole story happened. But that story happened because Jesus was by himself. But he was always with the Father. He was never truly by himself. He was always spending time in prayer. And I think that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good model for us is, you know, we should have our community. We should always have our community because the Bible tells us to have our community. But then we should also be able to know how to spend time with God, just us and God. Yeah. You know, sometimes that can be in the car on the way to work, quiet time, whatever works for you. But yeah, you know. sol solitude is not isolation. Yeah, uh, and that, and we see like the very first, you know, in Mark, we see Jesus' first day in ministry and just go, go, go with people all day long with his disciples, healing people at the synagogue, then at Peter's house, and then you see the very next day, it's like they took, they slept that night, and it says. Um, he just got up early in the morning when it was still very, very dark, most like between 3 and 4 a.m., right? He's exhausted, departed and went out into a deserted place, and there he spent time in prayer. And he recognized, and that was not the isolation, but the dependency upon God, recognizing like, man, everything else flows from this, and now I'm going to go be with people. And at what point was Jesus uh, tempted for 40 days when, when, when he was fasting? Was that before his ministry or was that... That was before his ministry. That right? was before his ministry. So Mark opens up with um, John the Baptist, and then it goes. I think Jesus is, is baptized, and then it's then Jesus is tempted for forty days, I believe. That's a. I've never understood that time. I mean, Abby, I don't know if you know, but that and and then also when he uh, flipped when he went when he 
chased out the money changers or the, yeah, in the temple? At the temples. Yeah. I don't know if that, because John has that happening in chapter two, but then the other gospels suggest it happened much later. So I don't know. There's yeah. certain stories that are out of line. Look at, I'm in Mark right now. And I just see that Jesus goes to, he sees, goes to Jordan River, baptized by John the Baptist. God is sin. God's there. Boy says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. We see the spirit descend like a dove, that image of peace right there. And then we see that the spirit then immediately drove him out to the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days enduring temptations from Satan. So we see baptism with the Trinity that present. And then he was driven out to the wilderness um, to be tempted by Satan. But while he's in the wilderness and these temptations, right? Temptations maybe by relationships, by things going on, the spirit is with him and he's with God and he's praying and fasting. And I'd love to expound that many times it's easy to like... Uh, it's easy to find yourself really idolizing the person that you used to be before a heartbreak of a certain kind, you know, uh, the person that you are. And in chasing after that, man, you might completely miss the point because I believe like all things happen for a reason and it's supposed to grow you. And so if you are a certain way before you met a certain person and then your heart and yada, 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 mm. don't, you don't want to go back to that person, the person that you are, right? And if you follow Christ, I think you find a new identity that is rooted in him, which is different from the person that you used to be. And that's really what you should dwell on. Yeah, whenever I looked at like dating relationships, I always saw it as like, man, I'm going on a little, a little branch right here, kind of put myself on a limb. I'm being vulnerable. I'm not sure how to respond. And actually, it's the same way with regular friendships, right? I can be vulnerable, super vulnerable with someone I kind of know, but maybe don't know. And maybe they then cut that branch down. And it's just like, maybe the girl broke up with me or the guy totally backstabs me and shares this vulnerable thing that I gave with him to everyone else. And I'm just like devastated. That branch breaks, I hit the ground hard. But Jesus is there and he right. picks us back up and he's always going to be there for you in that sense, right? So even if you put yourself on a limb and someone betrays you, he is right there, ready to go hand in hand with you in that. Your and foundation should always be in Jesus. Yeah. I think that's hard for some people. I think it's hard for some people to hear that and say, well, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't yeah. want to believe in Jesus. And I would just encourage that person. Like, I know it's hard and it sounds like we're a bunch of people just saying, hey, follow Jesus. Who is Jesus? I can't see him. I can't feel him. I don't know him. Mm. But for me, just like my experience, I I thought I knew Jesus. I knew Jesus in my head, but I didn't know Jesus in my heart. And my life, the way that I view life now is so different just mm. because I know that I have been redeemed, that I am loved, that I'm a child of God, that I'm a co-heir co with Jesus Christ. And just realizing like my identity is found in him. And my foundation is in that, something that's so stable. I mean, if you have your identity in someone else, what if that person leaves you? What if that person dies? What if that person disappears, ghosts you? Ghosting's a thing now. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's that's so hard. And that's just, I would just encourage everyone to just, hey, find out who this Jesus person is. Because um, besides him, like there's there's really nothing in this world that really matters. Don't think it's actually as hard as the world makes it seem right following christ i do not think it's as hard as the world makes it you know seem uh, what do you, yeah what do you mean by that what do you i think what he means by that is he's looking at like most people like oh, i can't follow jesus because i can't give up x y and z man oh, i want right. to i want to do drugs i want to sleep with my girlfriend i want to do all these different things gotcha. that's what i'm taking it as but yet we find so much freedom inside of christ and following christ. And fighting christ because i know that i'm sure Neville, when he had this back in the days, when he had multiple girlfriends i know when i hide sins i just <laughs> i rot on the inside but imagine i mean I, people talk about like if he had multiple girls he's texting on different phones or whatnot he's got to have some anxiety of, of what he's doing there and feel a little bit of guilt like oh i gotta text her back oh i can't do this okay hide this what if she finds out and, like all that's always on you and think about the same way whenever you do something wrong completely like 
that's on you, oppressing you. I know that as a, as a Christian or non-Christian, you feel that, right? We're trying to hide these issues from people and it just, it weighs on you. And so I'm seeing that. I, I, when we look at Jesus, when he says in Matthew 11, 28, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And I think there's so much, like there's more anxiety, more depression than any time in history. And for the American specifically, and we look at, like he says, I will give you rest for your souls. And I know that's what I think that's what we're looking for is in a relationship is, man, I just want to have this rest. I want to have peace. Joy. Joy. I want something that's going to, and the sad thing is that person or that individual never lets that happen. As you go to the next thing, whatever that may be. And Jesus says, no, no, I'm right here. Like you can give me all your burdens and I'll take those. Right, and I'll give you rest. Yeah, allow me to clarify what I said uh, previously about it's not as hard as the world might want you to believe it is. Uh, so some some chapter sixteen, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my cup and my uh, I, I are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You feel you... You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And we've talked, oh, I mean, on this episode, on this show, we've talked about the difference between joy and happiness, right? And so when the world tells you that it's hard uh, to follow Christ, I think they dwell on men. I mean, you can't have sex, you can't do drugs, you can't do all these good things, but then they don't tell you about you'll have so much peace, you'll have so much joy, you'll have so much, uh, you, you'll have the comfort of knowing that, uh, you know, like you're, even when you die, you know, there's a better life waiting for you, you know, and all that stuff. So yeah, I don't think it's as hard. I think it's actually easy because the Holy Spirit makes it so. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a peace that I get to live with that a lot of people I know, unfortunately, don't have um, because I don't have the ultimate anxiety, which is that my days are numbered and I'm working on borrowed time. You know, that that doesn't scare me like it does people who don't know Jesus. And so there, I mean, you're right. In, in some sense, there is a certain ease of life that happens because I know what's going to happen when this is over. I don't have to worry about, you know. Where you go. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. Um, I can just enjoy life. But there's also the other side of the coin, which is that one of the promises that Jesus is makes that Jesus makes to his disciples is in this world, you will have trouble. I think we say that a lot on the show. Um, there is that element too, which is that this life is really difficult, but I get to have that ultimate peace of it's not home. Mm-hmm. I'm only here for a little while. It's like an airport. Airports are uncomfortable, but eventually, <laughs> eventually you land in Denver and you know, they have great pizza and everything's great. Skiing. They do have good skiing. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are you um, when others revile you and persecute you and other utter all kinds of evils against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 
right? They've always done that. They've always persecuted God's people. And so you will. You will. Once you have this, become a Christian, you start doing things that are actually Christ-like. People will persecute you, and they're going to ask you why in that sense. So you will have sufferings here um, on this earth. But he says, take heart, for I've overcome the world to complete that in there. Um, and then just reading in Philippians this morning, and Paul saying in Philippians 1.29, for it has been granted to you to not only to believe in Christ, but also to suffer f- for him, right? And that's an idea like, wait, yeah. There's grace been given to you, and we get to share in his glory in that suffering with him at the same time. We believe in him, and we get to suffer with him, which is something drastically different. And I think that's where people may be afraid of it. They're just like, man, no, no, Christians are going to get made fun of. They're going to have to do some suffering. And it's like, yes, but it's all worth it because of the hope we have inside of him um, in that. And most people don't understand that suffering is, an, is, it, is actually ends up being a good thing as we get to rely upon him and grow closer to him and recognize that, wow, I really don't have anything on this earth. Why would I ever pursue things on this earth? I'm going to pursue him. It's a drastically different mindset because in American culture, it's like, man, if you're suffering, something's wrong. If it's difficult, something's wrong. Where in reality, we see people suffering all the time in the Bible, and we see them relying upon God, and it turns out really, really well for them. Ooh, you got a verse there, Abby? It won't load. Ah, bummer inside of that. And I wasn't sure if I could flip my pages. You can. Okay. (laughs) Flip it. Flip it good. Come on. Yes, using the Bible, making it flip on the microphone is always a good thing. We want people to know we actually use the Bible here, not just phones. Well, I, mean, I don't have I'm, I don't have a hard copy Bible. I'm using my phone and my laptop, so I'm yeah, kind of cheating. Poor Rogue, we'll buy him one. This, this Logos Bible <laughs> Logos Bible store here in Dallas or Logos Bible have store. Have you been? No, I have not been yet. Okay, there's I, a whole store for a whole store for Bibles and stuff. Man, it's right by SMU. You should go check it out sometime. Interesting. Oh, Abby, you got a verse? Yeah. Oh, come on. I was just gonna. I think one of the things that you know we talk about. Uh, our salvation in Jesus. And so just Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, everyone quotes, but we always forget uh, verse 10. So 8 starts, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork. And I just love that word, handiwork. Mm. Uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that to me, God's handiwork, it just reminds me of I was created with a purpose. Yeah. He knows me, he loves me, and like when you think of something that you do, like, I don't know, I don't know what you do actually for work. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just digressed. Uh, it's okay, it's okay. I work in real estate, I do CrossFit, I study about Jesus, you know, a lot of things. Okay, but I just think of like when you do something, you accomplish something, you're so proud of it. And yeah. so just reminding ourselves that God our Father loves us and is there for us. And so I just mm. think sometimes we skip over, we just forget verse 10. Yeah. Um, and so just a reminder of like, hey, you're God's handiwork and you're fully known and fully loved. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. And also what I was kind of thinking about when you said that is if you go some of the most beautiful parts in the world, you see a mountain in the winter, just something oh. gorgeous. Mm, Albuquerque, come as on. A, as amazing as that is and as beautiful as that is, you are infinitely more precious to God and a more pre- more amazing to God than that you know, mountain or ocean, whatever God created that we think is beautiful, you are infinitely more amazing to him than that. Why? Than that non-living creature or that living creature that is not created in his image, right? Because we're the only part of creation created in his image that gives us a special relationship with him. Yeah. And he's installed a consciousness inside of us and the capacity to have emotions like he has and to do things and to worship him, which gives us a special relationship with him. To someone listening to that and is like, that sounds outrageous. What do you say to them? The gospel? Well, I mean, that's the whole reason that we have a value is be, we're valued as his creation because we are known and because we are loved by him, 
right? And inside of that, because he's given that special image of himself and we're image bearers inside of that, which nothing else has, that's what separates us. If not, we immediately start to digress and we say that, no, we're equal with the rest of creation, the rest of whatever's out there science-wise. And so there's no more life value in a, you know, a chipmunk in my front yard than there is in me. Or there's no more life value in a blueberry versus me because everything is just a part of the scientific realm. That's a very, it's a sad view. I like looking at stars. Mm. I like just, <laughs> wait, I, I have a Don't change the pace. I like this. <laughs> no, I just think like when I go outside and I just stare at the stars out in the darkness, you just realize and your eyes adjust and you start seeing more and more stars. You're just like, wow, like God created that. Mm. And yeah. then you realize God created me. Mm. I'm like this puny little human. And it's just, I think for me that nature, like Rose said, whenever you see mountains or nature or even like just the ocean, the magnitude, the like that's all you can see, but there's so much more that you can't see. I think that just reminds me of God's goodness and holiness and just how great and big he is. And God demonstrated that love to us in that while we are still seen as Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you, I don't know how to add to that. That's, that's the gospel. <laughs> that's it. So beautiful people. That has been it. Find your identity in Christ. He's never changing. He's very consistent. And that's the beautiful beat of the story that if you root your identity in Christ, then you don't have to worry about that changing tomorrow or the day after. And he's never really going to break your heart. People will. Men will disappoint you. Men will hurt you. But Christ never will do that. So, yeah. Adios, yeah. Muchachos. Be rooted in the vine and watch what happens. Love Jesus first. Love Jesus first. Again, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know, how know how to, anything to say. I'll say, chabelos, chabelos. <laughs> Lovely, uh, no. I just muchachos, yeah. I just And I say chabelos, and then Rose says, okay, bye. Okay, bye. Or I'll, well, say, it's for, I'll say go Tigers. You say go Tigers. Ah, yeah, go Tigers. Tigers. Say, what do you like, like to say? I don't know. How do you say bye to people? Bye. Okay, bye. Actually, I say okay, bye. Au revoir. Au revoir. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. We hope you were encouraged and inspired to turn to the only one who can and will satisfy you. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them out. Feel free to reach us on any social media platform at Shine and Delight. You can also shoot us an email at shineanddelight@outlook.com. Until next time, be kind, love all, share your shine.